What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young, host of the number one ranked show. In this episode from Big Ten Media Days, I speak with Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh and Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara, who would like you to bring on the disrespect. Find out how and why on the number one ranked show. Subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara. Cade, how you doing? Doing great. Thank you for having me. I want to start with the biggest win in school history, I think, right? But certainly in the last 20, well, let's say 10 years, going back to 2011. You beat Ohio State, and you beat them resoundingly. How did that feel? Um, it felt great. I mean, it was just a really big accumulation of the amount of work that we put in, um, the mindset change, the culture change, and um, really it was something that we were determined to do ever since January. Really, as soon as the COVID season ended, we were very upset as to – really what the team looked like. I mean, being in the winged helmet and going two and four is pretty embarrassing for everyone on that team, and that's not the Michigan that we committed to. And, um, you know, we committed to making that different. And for us to finally accomplish that, um, it was truly a great feeling. Being pretty blunt there, talking about the 2020 season, I enjoy that because it was a bit of turmoil there turning into 2021. What do you think set you guys on the right course for 2021? Um, I think it was the guys on the team. We had really great leadership, and not just our leaders, but every single player on the team was committed to making things different, that you know, we're going to do everything it took to make the next season different, um, to get rid of, um, you know, we were well aware of what the team was looking like and you know, the criticism that the team was facing and also the criticism that Coach Harbaugh was facing. And you know, we wanted to put an end to that, and we wanted to – Really, not just do it for you know, for the sake of that, but for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of the team, for the sake of, um, really Michigan as a whole. I'm really interested to hear from you whether or not you think Michigan is being, well, underappreciated for being Big Ten champions. Usually, we parade that banner around and we like to say, "Hey, that they made the college football playoff. They're representing the Big Ten. Ten, you have the crown." Do you feel any of that? Do you feel any disrespect? Um, I'm not sure. And to be honest, I'd kind of have it that way. Um, I think, you know, the less we parade, the less we talk about us being big 10 champs, that's for the better because that was team 140, 142 team 142 won that big 10 championship. Um, there's a lot of members on team 143, um, that are looking to do the same and replicate that, but, um, it's team 143's job now. And that's a, um, you know, last year has passed us and, um, please bring the disrespect because it only fuels us. He said, please bring the disrespect because it only fuels us. Dude, you are cast out of central casting for a Jim Harbaugh quarterback. I'm sure you've heard that. When did you know that you guys breathe the same air and it was going to click? Really my first visit with him. I think, you know, me, it was a big emphasis for me is to choosing a college where I could have a good relationship with the head coach. And the first person I saw on my visit was Coach Harbaugh. And really from that moment there, I just, you know, I, I remember watching him as a kid. I grew up on in Nevada, so I saw him at Stanford. I saw him at the 49ers, and I just remember him, you know, pounding the shoulder pads of, you know, whoever it was in and, um, you know, whether it was Wilton Spate at Michigan or whoever it was. I just remember watching his competitive fire, and I just felt like I shared that same, that same trait. And for me to finally meet him in person and for us to really click right away, I just felt like it was meant to be from there. 
It's a big time flip commitment coming from being committed to Notre Dame to picking Michigan. You feel good about that. Now being settled as a starting quarterback, what's left for you? I think, you know, for me, I just have to continue to do everything I can for this team to win. Mm -hmm. um, it's my job as the quarterback and as the leader of the team to make sure that, you know, we win every single game we play and that we have to win another championship this season. And we're out to prove that um, it wasn't a fluke, that it wasn't a one-year thing. And, um, you know, I think I'm looking forward to this season, you know, for what I can bring to, to the team and what I can put on film and also for what this team is capable of doing. A few days before you and I sit down to talk, uh, you took a trip to Genesee County Jail. Can you tell us about that trip and about a special note that was handed to you? Um, it was a very interesting trip. It was something that I was never expecting to do in my life. I, I mean, the only other time I went to, I guess, a jail would would be Alcatraz when I was a kid, but that's obviously on a completely different level than seeing um, actual inmates and people who are actually spending time in there. And I think um, it was a humbling experience. You know, I mean, no one wants to be in that situation, and I think that seeing that firsthand um, made every guy on the team, you know, have that make sure that feeling was even stronger. And, you know, we were able to, you know, give meals to the guys. Me and Mozzie were paired up together. We were on level three, and that was a, a level with mental disabilities and physical disabilities. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's just really crazy that, you know, these people are so appreciative of, of a meal every single day. Not that I'm, you know, saying what they did was right, but I just think the reality of what they're living is the reason why, I mean, you should follow the law. <laughs> I mean, no one wants to be in that situation, and um, that's about it. I'm making reference in particular to a note that had a letter and one word on it. Uh, it said F Ohio. Do I have that right? Yep. That was a you know that was a confrontation that me and one of the inmates had. Was you know as I was walking away, he said that he said those words, and you know whether I said them back or not, there might have happened, but. You know, that's just, um, it, it was great because there's a lot of Michigan fans in there, and um, we always appreciate the support. Well, that's where I'm leading. Now that you know that this team means that much to so many people coming from the West Coast, ostensibly, how have you taken on that privilege of being able to honor them? Yeah, I think representing Michigan and really when I committed the um, – what being a Michigan man means mm. is really important to the guys. And, you know, we even just on our trip right now, we're so aware and like it has come to a realization as to how much we mean to the state and, you know, how strong our fan base is and really how vast it is. And I think, you know, what we were able to do as a team, um, you know, made a lot of people happy. And I everywhere I go, I, um, you know, I run to someone who's always telling me, man, last year that was that was the greatest moment of my life. Like, and people talking about how they shed tears that day, you know, sitting on their couch. Um, I mean, obviously it meant everything to us, but the fact that it meant so much to other people is really an awesome experience for us. Now all you got to do is do it again. Absolutely. <laughs> Michigan quarterback, Cade McNamara, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Yeah, great. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Michigan head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Coach, how you doing? Doing good. Getting better every day. I like it, coach. How does it feel to be the defending Big Ten champion at Big Ten Media Days? It feels good. Uh, um, and then it uh, feels good because our guys have continued, had a tremendous offseason, really from literally from the last couple 
days after our last game. I mean, just attacked everything that was put in front of them and with zero entitlement. And there's none then, there's none now, and there's none on the foreseeable horizon. So uh, life is good. I was interested in how 2021 came together for you. When did it begin to click that you had a special football team? Uh, when it, yeah, at, at the beginning, you know, at the beginning of the the winter cycle, um, and then uh, continued on into spring ball. First day of spring ball was just one of those off the charts days. Mm. And I remember talk, bringing the team up and say, "If hey, we could just have the same thing tomorrow, just copy it, like putting in the old mimeograph, and uh, let's come back with the same thing tomorrow." And then to see that happen 15 straight days and continue into the the summer cycle and uh, into the into the training camp in the season, just guys taking care of their business, um, you know, bleeding blue, all pulling in the same direction. Saw that from the coaches and the and the players really since the you know January of twenty one. Really felt like getting that win against Ohio State did a lot, not just for the program, but for how you were perceived. Not understanding whether or not you care how you're perceived, but uh, how Michigan fans perceive themselves. Yeah. Do you feel that you've been disrespected after having won the Big Ten championship and got the college football playoff? I just, it's just, a, no, I don't think that. I don't think I've, I don't feel disrespected in, uh, in a bit um, to answer that question, but just really happy as a coach that my players got to experience uh, winning a championship. Um, because how they, they earned it, uh, worked for it, uh, came together as a team and then executed on game day, um, and brought it to life and just a good feeling that ha that has, uh, for them, but also transformational, uh, as you go on, as they go on in the rest of their life. I mean, there's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be some hard tasks, laid uh, in front of them and they'll be able to reference back to the 2021 year and realize it can be done you know with the right attitude with the right work ethic with the right teamwork uh you can you can accomplish anything you can bring anything to life you can make anything happen one of the things you told me when we spoke this time last year is that Hassan Haskins is one of your favorite players. Yeah. I got to see a bit Still of, is. I was about to say, I got Still to see, is. right? A, a bit of why. But yeah. I wonder where Cade McNamara ranks for you. Cause I got to tell you, coach, it feels like you breathe the same air. Yeah. Cade is, uh, I often think about that. Like as a young Jimmy Harbaugh, I could just see it. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's a, a great competitor. Uh, you know, he's a great practice player. He's a great game player. Um, my favorite stat is in any quarterback is how many drives do they lead and what's the percentage that those end up in a touchdown or points on the board? Mm. Cage is off the charts. It's over 50%. Mm. Uh, now, JJ, I haven't figured out what his is, but it feels like every time he gets in there and leads a drive, it, it ends up in the end zone as well. Um, really, um, Cade's going to be tough to beat out for the starting quarterback job. And also, J.J. McCarthy is going to be tough to beat out as well. Um, so we'll put the balls out there on August 3rd, and the best players will play. Well, you decided to bring Cade with you to Big Ten Media Days. Yeah. Usually that is an indication of how you feel about his leadership. What, if anything, does J.J. have to show you uh, to perhaps win that job? Just, It's pretty simple. I mean, we're going to play the best players. 
How do we know who the best players are? They play the best. Uh, and usually with a quarterback, how do you know that? I mean, it's, do they, are they able to lead the team when they're in for a drive? Can they lead the team down and get them into the end zone? Uh, next biggest thing is limiting those turnovers. Um, and so there's, there's ways to, there's always a competition for the starting quarterback job on most every, every single football team. And that's the, that's the case here. Two, two that have really separated themselves, Cade and JJ for that job. I'm curious about what we can, <coughs> all right, what we can expect from Blake Corum, who was announced today uh, when we're speaking as a preseason all Big Ten player, and you got Donovan Edwards back there. Are you planning to do some of the things, same things you did with Hassan Haskins and Blake last year? Yeah, those are two complete backs, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Um, Blake is another one of those maniacal competitors, uh, attacks everything he does. Has a, I mean, he just has to be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, if, there's, if he's going to go climb a mountain, I mean, they would, he would never stop halfway or three quarters. I mean, he has got to apex. He's got to reach the top. It's just, it's just in him. He's just driven that way. And um, Donovan's, Donovan's kind of exactly the same way, and they're both blessed with an incredible talent. Um, if I could say one, you know, paint you a picture of Blake Corum, I mean, he can do the most push-ups on the team. He can also do chin hangs. So we just chin up, chin above the bar, <clears throat> and whoever can stay in that position the longest without dropping their chin below the bar. You know, really good guys would do a minute. Mm. Blake Corm can, like, do two minutes, 17 seconds. And then you, you face them face-to-face. Blake looking at the next best guy doing a chin up. And um, whoever goes down first is is the loser. So, you know, Blake wins it because that's <laughs> he's just driven that way. Um, does that paint you a picture? Of, it does. It uh, does. He's got, uh, got heart. He's got a lot of heart. Yeah. Big old heart. Well, and I got that from Eric all as well, yeah. uh, a kind of guy that you got to pull off of other people. And Shaq, uh, Shaq might be lining up across him. He's going to cut him. It doesn't matter. Right. Right? That seems to be the kind of guy that you have playing uh, Wolverine football. But also you have some staff changes. You have yeah. some new guys and some promotion of some, uh, uh, the case of Sharon Moore, for instance, yeah. being promoted to co-offense coordinator. I wonder how you don't lose any sleep knowing that, hey, man, I, I had two different guys leading my offense and my defense on Big Ten championship teams. How am I going to come back and replace those guys and get us back to repeating as Big Ten champs? Yeah, I feel good about where we um, where we at when I was making these hires, really studied it. Um, Jesse Minter was in this Baltimore Raven defense, but our, de- our, our, our Michigan defense came from the Baltimore Ravens. Jesse was a part of that staff and my brother, when he recommended Mike McDonald, he, he really recommended two guys. He said, mm. Hey, there's two guys, Jesse Minter, Mike McDonald. One's a linebacker coach. One's a, a secondary coach. I mean, take your pick, Jim. Uh, you can have either. They'd both be great. Um, hired Mike. And now Jesse coming in, he comes in with the advantage of being a defensive coordinator for one year. He was a coordinator play caller of the defense at Vanderbilt last year. So uh, on the offensive side, there's Matt Weiss, there's Sharon Moore, co-coordinators. Matt, super, super intelligent, uh, you know, really detailed, checks all the angles. You know, if we're going to go do a job, he's the one that's going to measure it two, three times you know, before we start cutting anything. I'm the opposite. I just get in there and start 
eyeballing it and let's go. Our players will, are good enough to run any play. I've never met a play I don't like. Um, <clears throat> we'll get it done. We'll find a way. So between me and Matt, we're a real good blend. You know, it's like, and then Sharon Moore is the living embodiment of, the, of us two. You know, he's, he's detailed, but he's, uh, you know, there's not no fear either. And um, he coaches the most important position on our team mm. on the offense, which is the offensive line. And he does a fantastic job. Mike Hart is great contributor um, with the blitzes and the run game. Uh, then we have uh, Ron Bellamy, who's a lot like Matt Weiss, uh, coaching the receivers, very detailed, very organized. Uh, Grant Newsom, uh, our other coach, is a phenomenal young coach. We have uh, great analysts, three great analysts that help us on offense as well. So I feel great. It's great. It's a great camaraderie on the staff. Um, you know, guys speak their mind. They they stand up for what they believe in. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we have some we have some spirited discussions, uh, some passion, but there's always respect on uh, on, the, on that staff, and those usually lead to the best outcomes. My last one for you, Coach. Uh, please open in it. Indulge me. USC, UCLA are going to join the Big Ten. How do you feel about the future of college football? Well, I mean, I'm kind of – honestly, I'm an old-school guy. Uh, I believe in a really good West Coast Conference, a really good Southeast Conference, a really good Midwest Conference, a really good, you know, East Coast Conference. But times are changing. Mm -hmm. Football's always been – college football's been one that's that's always evolved, even going back to, you know, implementing a forward pass – so, uh, yeah, we're just going to roll with it and uh, um, handle our business, you know, take care of what we can control. And, uh, and the next on the agenda is finishing up our trip around Michigan, uh, which is going great, and then starting training camp on August 3rd. Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be joined by Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. Sam, how you doing? Doing well, RJ. How about yourself? I'm good, sir. Thank you for taking time. I want to start with this. How much better do you think the Iowa offense can be in 2022? Yeah, we're really we're really excited for the year, and um, I think we're taking major strides in the off season. Um, another another year to get better with all the guys and uh, a lot of returning starters. So we feel really good about the offense this year. And you, in particular, had a huge leap in 2021. I think it's 53 catches, something like 670 mm-hmm. yards. What led to that outburst for you? Yeah, just a lot of hard work, and you know, my teammates and I just always striving to be the best player that we can be. So, um, a lot of the same stuff going on this off season. You know, weight room grind, spring ball, stuff like that. So, we're excited. I'm excited for another great year, hopefully. As a recruit, you're hard to miss, and now everybody knows and sees you coming. <laughs> but you're also an Iowa tight end, I should say. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think carrying on the legacy, a lot of the greats they laid the foundation for tight ends like myself to come into the program and have successful careers so you know just going back and getting able to watch the film that they've put out um, starting in the 80s with Jonathan Hayes and Marv Cook up until you know recently with uh with guys going to the NFL and having a lot of success uh, TJ Hawkinson Noah Fant George Kittle so yeah a lot of those guys I look up to and they always reach out to me and make sure that I have everything I need to have a successful career here so it's awesome watching film of those guys, mm-hmm. what'd you pick up? Oh, yeah, a lot of minor details that, you know, every player has their own little way um, of doing things and just being able to, you know, recognize those small details and idiosyncrasies in their games and just getting to write stuff down and, you know, trying to implement some of the stuff that they did in my game. is It's really cool to watch. 
have you had any success in implementing some of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, small stuff, you know, head nods and stuff on certain routes that have you know progressed through the years with the Iowa offense. So, yeah, little little stuff. But see, that's the kind of stuff that college football fans love to hear mm-hmm. about. I, I wonder about footwork. I wonder about hand placement. Right. I wonder about your chemistry with Spencer Petras. How is that? Yeah, I think it's as great as ever. Alex and Spencer are both great quarterbacks, and I know that they're leading the offense. Uh, um, they're, the, they're, the, they're the generals on the field, and they're always getting us in the best play possible, so uh, setting us up for success. Last year was huge for Iowa as making a trip to the Big Ten Championship, yep. even reaching number two ranking during the season. What did you feel, if anything, from fans about how good it felt for them to see an Iowa football team perform right. that way? Yeah, there was a lot of enthusiasm um, surrounding last year's you know, season and um, with the COVID season, with with minimal fans in the stands, mostly friends and family, it, w- it was really cool to be able to pack Kinnick Stadium again with seventy thousand plus fans and best fans in the country. So they were, I mean, they supported us all the way, first game to the last last year, and we're expecting the the same thing this year. I think we already have five sold out games, so we're expecting a great year. Not Kinnick is a tough place to play, extremely right. Who are you most excited to play against this year? I mean, we're always looking forward to the opening game. I think that's always something that, you know, you're training starting in January all the way up until the beginning of the season, and um, emotions are high. You just want to get on the field. And, yeah, so we're really pumped for that first game for sure. One of the guys that caught my attention during this recruiting process, this 2022 season, is Aaron Graves. Have you got to see any bit of him? Yeah, I have a little bit. Um, we haven't put on the pads yet. A lot of summer conditioning and training, things like that. But fall camp's only about a week away now. So we'll definitely get a better look at Aaron here in the near future. But we're excited for him. He's a great young player for us. He looks like the kind of dude that Coach Ferentz made in the lab. Like, <laughs> honestly, from the GPA yep. to what he's been able to do, I find that really remarkable that he's been able to progress in such a way. What do you think it takes to play defensive line at Iowa as you're practicing against those guys? Yep. Uh, I think there's a lot of attributes that a defensive lineman needs, but um, more so in general with our program, you got to be hardworking, you have to be time efficient, um, you have to set your priorities straight, and Aaron's doing a lot of those things right. And um, we're, like I said, we're really excited for him and you know the attributes that he's bringing to that class. So, one of the things I thought was most interesting is about how you got spotted in the first place. I believe it was on a recruiting trip when uh, Coach Woods was going to see AJ Epeniza. And then got wind of you. Yep. What was your first encounter with Iowa football? Um, they reached out to me in the summertime of my senior year, inviting me to a camp. And it was about June, I'd say. And I went up there, and I thought that I had a great camp. And then they were kind of in and out of touch for the next few months. And then, like you said, Coach Wood showed up to one of my basketball practices uh, maybe a week or two before the the big signing day, Division One signing day. And yeah, it was it was really cool to see them show back up on my doorstep, and I was really pumped for the opportunity, you know. But yeah, it, it, it was cool that Coach Woods came full circle. It's also kind of intimidating to walk in there and they want you to play tight end, knowing what those guys yep. before you were about. How do you ingratiate yourself into Iowa Hawkeye football and then take over that position? Yeah, I think it just starts with hard work, and there was a lot of great leaders in the tight end room, especially when I was a younger player. Um, just trying to show me how things were supposed to be done and uh, the opportunity that we have, you know, really trying to sink that in with me and just so I understood that a little bit better. You've been through a lot at Iowa, right? Uh, we're talking about COVID, we're talking about the 2021 season. I wonder you specifically, how do you feel about college football and the way it's changing? 
Yeah, I mean, it's an ever-evolving game. And um, like I said, the opportunity that I have and my teammates have to put on the pads and, you know, just to go out there and compete and play a game that we love. I mean, we take it for granted a lot of times. But, I mean, I, I think it's hard not to see the opportunity that we have in, in retrospect or, you know, stepping away and taking kind of an outside perspective. It's just a really wonderful opportunity for all of us. Looking forward to seeing you take advantage of that opportunity in 2022. Sam Laporta, thanks so much for taking Appreciate the time. Appreciate it, RJ. Right on, man. I'm pleased to be joined by Iowa head coach, Kirk Ferentz. Coach, how you doing? Do- doing great. Thanks, coach. Now, I wanted to start with 2021, honestly. Uh, it's an outstanding year for you. Tremendous ups, tremendous downs. But that defense was absolutely astounding. How do you replicate those takeaways, particularly through the air? Well, you, you nailed it. I mean, it was just a, it was a really uh, good year. We got off to a fast start, played two ranked teams right off the bat. Next thing you know, we're 6-0 and after beating Penn State at home. Uh, but then had two really tough losses, and we had a bye week in between. That's not always a good thing. So it was three weeks of, um, you know, just kind of looking internally and seeing what we could do to move forward. But i uh, so proud of our team. They did a great job of fighting back. None of those last four games were easy. Uh, they were all tough, difficult wins that we really had to earn. And I think it really speaks to the perseverance and the heart that our football team had. So, you know, now we flip the calendar and it's a whole new year, whole new team, whole new season, new challenges. But to your point, uh, one thing we've tried to do for 23 years is really make sure we're going to put a good defensive football team out on the field, start there, be good in the kicking game, and then uh, find ways to win. I'm very familiar with Iowa football only because I grew up with Bob Stoops as my head coach, right, at Oklahoma. That's That was my team. And I understand what he means to Iowa football and how much he supports it. I say all that to say, how good is Riley Moss in your time at Iowa as a safety? Yeah, so first let me start with Bob. Uh, when I got to Iowa in 81, Bob was a junior. Mm. And uh, one of our leaders at first, it was a historic season. We had had 19 straight losing years and end up in the Rose Bowl that year. And uh, I, I remember, uh, like yesterday, playing Michigan State in our last game. Bob hit hit their tight end, I believe it was, uh, right in the ribs. He was going up for a ball. Ball shot up in there. I think Andre Tippett came by and swooped it up and um, took it almost for a touchdown. But that that just ignited the crowd. But that that was Bob, just a tough, hard nosed, tenacious uh, player, and obviously a really great football coach on top of that, and a great human being. Now his wife Carol is really the she's more Hawkeye than Bob, but they're both Hawks and uh, so proud they're. Uh, both graduates. So, you know, that it's uh, great, great that way. Uh, you transition forward here defensively with our football team. We've been uh, turnover, done a good job in the turnover uh, uh, game, if you will. Uh, and there, there's, you know, somebody asked you about that. There's really no drill you do for it. It's just, I think, players understanding what they're doing um, and then doing a great job. Good anticipation, good preparation. And then obviously, you got to be working and hustling on the field. And Riley Moss, you mentioned him. You know, he made the decision to come back. I think that could have gone either way back in the wintertime. Uh, sometimes as a coach, at least over the years, I've learned to, experience, you know, can be a little concerned about, you know, how's that player going to approach that last year? And I, I, I don't think we have anybody on our team working any harder right now, just doing extremely diligent and on top of that, taking a real active role as a leader. So he's a tremendous young man, a really talented player, and uh, we're hoping for a full, fully healthy year last year. He had to go through some injury issues. One of the things that I love about your program, your football team, is you're going to be fundamentally sound. You're going to not beat yourself. You're going to run the ball. You're going to play defense. How nice was it, though, to see those fundamentals on a national stage that October being such a big deal for Hawkeye fans? 
Yeah, that, that's really our, our best uh, method for winning, I think probably most people. But I uh, uh, learned a lot of things in the 80s from Coach Fry. And if you looked at our teams, I mentioned that 81 team. That's how they were wired. They were uh, really a good defensive football team, good special teams, and we, we, we had to do on offense. But uh, to me, the game's all about fundamentals. And, and if you're not paying attention to that, you really open the door for some disappointment. And if you do pay attention to it and maximize it and really coach it and work it, uh, and most importantly, the players have to believe in those those things. Uh, then you've got a chance, I think, maybe to do a little bit more than you're supposed to. And that's really what the uh, Penn State game came came down to. You know, some some good heads up play on on our defensive side, and then some timely plays on offense. One of those players being Sam Laporta. I had the pleasure of speaking with him earlier. I really love the story of how he was spotted, and I wonder how it got back to you from Coach Woods. Hey, there's this kid that I went to go see on my way to go see AJ that we probably need to go take a look at. Yeah, well, you know, tight ends are really interesting from the standpoint. Nobody plays with a tight end in high school anymore, so you're always projecting, at least it seems that way, TJ Hawkinson comes to mind. Um, but then the basketball component also, guys, typically our best tight ends have been good basketball players. Sam was that way. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've had, you know, good luck that way, and we try to look a little further maybe at times. All that being said, we got on Sam late. We almost blew that one. And uh, the other thing I'd, I'd throw in about Sam, it's not only he's not only a good player physically, but the energy he brings to the field, and he just totally enjoys the game. I'm not saying he's Dallas Clark, but he's a lot like Dallas. And that you know, uh, Bill Pullian once told me he says Dallas loves everything about football, including I think getting his ankles taped. And it's a good way to describe Sam. The same thing. I'm excited to see what he's capable of in 2022 after a monster 2021 year. One of the players, though, that I haven't seen that I'm very eager to see, maybe this year, maybe down the road, is one Aaron Graves. And I want to start by asking this question. Did you grow this kid in a lab like 18 years ago? Because he feels like he's tailor-made for what you do and what your program stands for. I wish I was that smart or that talented. I'm certainly not. But, uh, yeah, he's a great story, Aaron. is just a, and a tremendous young guy. He's a good football player, a really good prospect. We're excited. He's joined our team now this summer. Uh, but just such an impressive young guy. And, it's interesting when a player commits that early. Sometimes you get a little nervous about that, but uh, you know, all he's done is just continue to grow and and, uh, and improve. And probably the thing that maybe is as unique as anything is the fact that he played basketball and wrestled. Uh, that that's highly unusual. And the wrestling in our state's pretty good. It's pretty competitive. So for him to go out and do what he did, I thought I thought that maybe as impressive of the thing as he's done athletically thus far. Adding that the GPA, the associate's degree, I mean, it it all comes together for him in a hurry. One of the things, though, that I've always been astounded by with your program is your ability to retain players mm -hmm. and to grow them and to get them to trust you as underclassmen. Hey, we're going to grow you up. You're going to get your opportunity. Just stick with us. What's the day-to-day -day messaging like to keep that sort of focus? Yeah, I, I just think the best thing about football and always has been is the camaraderie and the uh, respect for each other, uh, working with each other, and um, you know, really enjoying the work because that's really what football is all about is preparation, work, and the people. So... I tell recruits that all the time. If you're really not interested in working pretty much year-round nowadays, and if you really don't enjoy the people you're with, then you're probably at the wrong place. And so I think it starts with recruiting. I think our staff's done a really nice job of identifying guys that might uh, buy into the way we do things. And then uh, most importantly, when, when we get there, and I'll go back to the 80s, you know, we've, we've had some fantastic – I'm not saying great players. I'm just saying great guys to coach and be teammates with and – that's been the one commonality for me since 1981, my first exposure to the program till now. And uh, with the world changing like it is right now, all the challenges that are out there, the single best thing still is watching our guys train, work out, be in meetings with them, be at meals with them, because they're, they're great young people. 
Well, Coach, I also want to transition to a, a much larger issue, uh, one that involves expansion we'll get to. But I wonder, with all this that you've seen going back to 1981, how do you feel about the future of the sport? Concerned. Mm. Yeah, concerned. Uh, and I coached six years in the NFL, so I'll draw a parallel there. The the good thing about the NFL, in my opinion, uh, a lot of good things, but um, one of the good things is there's a salary cap. So there's a limit on how much you can spend, and there's also a basement line, too. So you can't just, you know, uh, totally tank a season or whatever. So that that's one thing that's under control. And then everybody in the NFL plays by the same rules. So those last two teams that were playing uh, last February, you know, they earned it the hard way. They earned it a fair way. And it's, it's you know, 32 teams with equal opportunity. So I, I think that's that's kind of the essence of sports. That's what it needs to be. And I just I, I do get concerned watching right now. I think there's some, too much gray area in what we're doing in a lot of a lot of levels right now. Um, and I'm not sure it's going to be good for the sport long term. I'm all for our players getting benefited and uh, being supported. I think that's great. Uh, the revenues jumped significantly the last 10, 15 years, and that should have been part of the plan, in my opinion. Uh, you know, profit sharing, if you will. Uh, so they need to be rewarded, and I'm, I'm all for that. But they're also, I think, I think all of us would appreciate, at least I speak for myself, you know, just some commonality in terms of what the rules are, playing rules, staff sizes, et cetera. So, you know, at least when you go out on Saturdays, it's an equal chance. And uh, I'm old enough to remember teams winning by 77 to 7 back in the 70s. I'm, I'm not sure that was great for college football. I know it wasn't great, good for either team involved in that game. Uh, and I think the at least the last 20 years, there's been a lot more parity in college football. I personally think that's good for the sport. My last one for you, Coach, pertains just to the Big Ten, but it is about expansion. And how do you feel about USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten? I'll also add, you got this holiday win against one of these teams that they might have wanted to forget about that you might have to remind them about. Well, you know, it's a, it's probably just one more uh, illustration of where we're going in college football. So uh, certainly geography was not a factor. And uh, I think, you know, what we are seeing right now, some of the old traditions we think of, you think about uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska, you think about Texas and Texas A&M, uh, you know, so those things are a thing of the past right now. Um, you know, so that that's just part of the deal. Geography is not quite as important as it used to be. Traditions aren't quite as important. And I think TV is important. That's uh, one thing I have figured out in 23 years. So whatever TV is thinking is probably where we're heading. Yeah. Iowa coach Kirk Ferentz, thank you so much for your time, My sir. My pleasure to be with you. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm good, sir. Uh, I want to start with the offseason changes that have come. 15 transfers, overhaul the offensive staff. Do you think you have the right mix going into 2022? We got a lot of the right people. Mm. Uh, we got to do a good job making sure that group of people comes together as a team. Um, anytime you bring new people on board, uh, you got to get everybody integrated and on the same page. And uh, we've done a good job, job of that in the offseason, but there's still work to be done. Mark Whipple's resume really does speak for itself. And nobody did at Pittsburgh, but there's also these wide receivers that he's turned out, Jordan Addison, Andy Isabella. What are you hoping to get out of your passing game this year? Well, I, I think he's really creative. Uh, he's been around the game a long time. He's really smart. Uh, they do some really good things um, and have done. And, and I'm really looking forward to turning a lot of it over to him. Uh, I think there's going to be a good mix of what we've done and what they've done. And uh, he's, he's really smart. We just have to find a way to work together and put, put together a good product. This is interesting because uh, I've come to know you as a play caller. I've come to know you as an offensive coordinator. Um, you mentioned seeding some of this to Mark Whipple. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him 
take take okay. over for the most part. I'll still be involved, but um, I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time with the other guys on the team and the other units as well. And it, you know, there's a lot to do as a head coach, and this is going to free me up. But I wasn't able to do that unless I had somebody I really trusted to kind of take over and run it uh, when I'm not around. And and Whip certainly accomplished and experienced and uh, capable of obviously uh, coaching really good offenses. Are there any other changes that you made 2022 to prepare for this season? You know, we're always looking to tweak. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we feel like we've been on a good path and doing things the right way and our team has improved. Um, so you don't want to change course, but you're always looking for ways to change little things to get a little bit better. And um, we'll continue to look for those. Talk about a couple players, if that's all right. Uh, Casey Thompson in particular. What about him drew you to him and how did you end up with him at Nebraska? We got two transfer quarterbacks, Casey and mm -hmm. uh, Chubba Purdy. Mm -hmm. um, I think with the departure of our quarterback from last year, we just wanted to make sure the room was full and we had good competition. Uh, both those guys have done really good things since they got to campus. Um, whoever's playing quarterback, I think, is going to be surrounded by maybe the most talent that we've had in Nebraska since I've been there. So uh, we need to get good quarterback playing. We're going to let them compete in, uh, in the preseason and see who comes out on top. It's a very important position, and I know you know that having played it at Nebraska. One of the things I think is flying under the radar, though, is uh, Anthony Grant, who had an extremely good career at JUCO. Could you tell me more about him as a player? Yeah, AG came to us mm -hmm. from uh, New Mexico military in uh, New Mexico, had a really good year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were kind of interested in recruiting him. One of our coaches was at one of his games to see someone else play and was blown away by him. Uh, he, he adds to a group of probably the best stable running backs we've had. Uh, a couple new freshmen coming in. Uh, we get Gabe Irvin back. Jock Yant did some really good things last year. Ramir Johnson was our lead back last year. So there's going to be good competition there, and we feel like we've got good depth. A couple bigger picture questions for you, Coach. You get the honor of playing August 27th in Dublin, Ireland. How are you preparing your team for travel and playing against Northwestern? Yeah, mostly mentally right now, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get them ready for that challenge and making sure we handle that challenge as a mature team and doing things the right way. Uh, a game like that, a lot, a lot of it has to come down to how well you're able to handle it. And uh, we're going to go over there a little early and make sure that we get adjusted to the time. I want our guys to understand that that challenge is in front of them, make sure they know the details uh, so we can try to handle it like pros. What are some of the challenges for preparing to take a team overseas to play football? What's been going on for a long time, all the details and everything that goes into it, our ops staff has done a good job with that. We had to get passports for everybody that's going to be on the trip. Um, you know, with, with COVID things, we were trying to decide and, and figure out what we had to do with that. And luckily, that's slowed down a little bit. Uh, but uh, there, there's been a lot that's gone into it. Uh, we got to do a good job with sleep. We got to do a good job. Uh, managing our our schedule before we go over there to try to get on european time a little bit and we got to do a good job being disciplined and focused once we get over there some big changes afoot in the sport as you very well know usc and ucla are scheduled to join the conference in just the next two years how do you feel about the expansion of the big 10 conference well I, you know I, I give the conference a lot of credit i think mm -hmm. they're being proactive and trying to get ahead of some of the changes that are inevitably coming to college football um we welcome really good teams into this league uh, to join a lot of other really good teams. And I don't know if coaches' opinions matter, but I think we're moving in the right direction. And uh, I think the Big Ten is going to be uh, an important part of whatever happens in college football going forward. 
your perspective is particularly interesting to me, having played the game at such a high level. And not to put you on the spot here, but I watched 97 Nebraska, and I remember it as a child. How has the game changed for you uh, growing up to be a head coach over the last 20-some years? There's been a lot that's changed. Mm -hmm. You know, conference realignment has changed. Some of the rules have changed. Obviously, we've changed conferences. Uh, it hasn't changed the passion for football in the state of Nebraska. Um, hasn't changed uh, the love for the sport that our team has and our fans have. Uh, Nebraska is an unbelievable place to, to be lucky enough to be the coach at. And um, we're working every day to make sure we put a good product on the field. My last question for you, Coach, and please indulge me on this as it's open-ended. How do you feel about the future of college football? I, I think we're... We've seen a lot of changes. I think there's a lot more coming. Mm -hmm. I think everybody that you ask that question to will give you the same answer. I think there's a lot of guesses where it'll end up, but I don't know if anybody knows right now. Um, I, I kind of looking forward to it. Whether you agree with it or not, it's coming, and you just have to do the best you can to adjust and embrace it. Nebraska coach Scott Frost, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Thanks, RJ. You look good. Thanks, sir. I'm pleased to be joined by Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan. Tanner, how you doing? I'm doing a lead. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate that, man. You know, Coach Flex says the same thing. <laughs> yeah. In many ways, you feel like an extension of him. Uh, Appearance, right? Yeah, say. yeah. How does that feel going into your sixth year? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, uh, it's awesome to have a great relationship with him and to be able to, you know, pour his kind of, um, you know, the culture he created way back in the day. That's our culture now. Um, and, you know, into the guys and players, and I've learned a lot from him. And uh, it's really awesome to have a coach and, and really a mentor like that. It's got to be a, a little bit like a blast from the past for you. You're, you're reunited, excuse me, with Coach Soraka yeah. after that great 2019 season. Mm -hmm. How confident are you that you can return to that form? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, comparison is still your joy. So you compare one year to another. It is what it is. Everything's you – know, situations are different. You know, there's no excuses. Um, but I think really it, it all comes down to giving yourself the best chance to win football games, right? Um, and I knew, you know – we have to be. We have to be a lot better. You know, I have to be a lot better than, you know, in the past. So every every week you have to be better, and it's been it's been a really fun process. A lot of learning, a lot of growth already, um, and it's awesome because you know I, I was trained under him, and so I really uh, you know my mind thinks like he thinks, and every day I'm you know attempting to think more like him, because uh, when you get on that same page as your coordinator, it's really fun when you're playing quarterbacks. You're like, all right, I, I got you. I see what you're doing. Let's go, you know, getting that groove and that role, and that's a really fun feeling. I can appreciate that, especially knowing that Coach Soraka had said, hey, look, I, I watched him as a fan last year. I didn't really watch film. I see some stuff, and I know Tanner. Right. I know what he's capable of, and I know what I'm capable of with him. Mm -hmm. What's it like to have that sort of confidence? Yeah, it's huge, right? I mean, I think your mind is a huge part of your success. And that's athletically and in anything you really do, right? And so really having that confidence of like, hey, when, when you're on the same page as somebody, like – your accuracy goes way up. Your decision-making goes way up. When you're second-guessing yourself, your decision-making is worse. And in turn, your accuracy, it's way harder to be accurate. So you're not even reaching anywhere close to your potential. So, you know, and that's just in general. Anybody playing the, the quarterback position, anybody playing any position. So you know, being on the same page is huge. And uh, really just learning from him and uh, getting pushed to be a, a better version of myself every day is really awesome. The cliche is that a running game is a quarterback's best friend. And yeah, that's right. Y'all were pretty doggone good running the football. Yeah, we were. Year. How do you feel about having Mo Ibrahim back off the Achilles tear? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he's worked his tail off. Mm -hmm. He's really grinded and um, sacrificed a lot for the team. Mm -hmm. um, and each and every day he comes in with, with an attitude to get better uh, and push himself and push other people. So 
uh, it's been awesome. I know all our running backs have learned a lot from him, um, and to have him in the backfield is really special, and I'm looking forward to having him back out there, uh, you know, week one. It's a really interesting scheme that you guys employ with him because his cutbacks are lethal, and yeah. it seems to be rolling. It was rolling against Ohio State. Did you think you should have won that game? <laughs> I mean, look, that's a great team. You're talking about Ohio State Buckeyes, and, you know, they beat us. There's some things that we could always take back, and, you know, some some things that we'd love to have back, obviously, and... Um, but at the end of the day, they made plays. C.J. Shroud really started uh, making some plays on the offensive side of the ball. We should have made more on, on you know, our offensive side of the ball, and we did it, and that's how football goes. You know, you beat yourself, um, and also other teams, you know, make the plays, right? So the, the margin of error is really small in this conference, especially, you know, when you're playing a team like Ohio State. So, um, you know, it was a huge learning experience for us, for us from, and from last year and, and even into this year. Seems to have been a bumper era for Coach Fleck. I mean, Minnesota is reaching heights that it had seldom reached over the last 100 years. Mm -hmm. But going into this season, a lot of this feels like it's going to be up to you, Chris Autumn Bell, Dylan Wright, mm -hmm. even Brevin Spanford. How's the passing attack going to evolve? Yeah, right. So it's, you know, obviously we knew we had to get a lot better from the, the previous season and uh, be able to, impl imp you know, imply different concepts, different things, you know, and whatnot, but just be better at the passing game, be more efficient. Uh, and I think that's something our guys, we've, we've worked, you know, a lot in the offseason. Uh, all our quarterbacks, all our receivers, we've really worked on timing. You know, routes on air, it's not just about getting the completion. And when you take four seconds to throw a ball it, or whatever it may be, it's about getting that timing and that rhythm. And we've worked a lot, uh, thrown a lot of balls throughout the offseason and uh, feel really good about where we're at. We've got a long way to go in August in this uh, training camp. I know our guys are ready. You know, Chris Dalen, uh, Mike Daniel, Brevin, um, all the guys, uh, you know, are ready to go out and, uh, you know, make some plays and just get better every day. That's what it's all about. That is exactly what it's all about. Yeah. Tanner Morgan, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm pleased to be joined by Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing elite. How are you? I love it. I love it. Tanner said the same thing. I was giving him a hard time because y'all are starting to look a little bit similar. Do I have that wrong? <laughs> That's not good for him. It might be good for me. That's not good for him. How does it feel to have a quarterback with such familiarity with your program, though? Well, I, w I would never use the word comfort because that's the enemy of progress. And, and there's nothing comfortable about Tanner when you look at his work ethic uh, and what he's done to grow as a person. You know, a year for, uh, a year ago, we were talking about the passing of his father. Uh, this year, we're talking about his wedding. I mean, he's always doing something, overcoming something, accomplishing something, uh, doing something better. Um, and he's going to be, a, he's going to be, he's going to be a great husband. And I'm really looking forward to the rest of his life. It is pretty amazing. <laughs> he's been our quarterback six years. I mean, <laughs> he's the all time winningest quarterback in Minnesota history. And he's an even better person than he is a quarterback. Does he do things that still wow you? You know what he does is he's a better person every day than he was yesterday. That wows me. In a generation where he doesn't have to do that, he does that. Uh, and I think that's that uh, a credit to him and, 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 and his testimony. I mean, he's a man of faith, believes deep in his faith, and it shows in everything that he does. I'm curious about bringing back Coach Soraka and how you think that's going to help not just your offense, but Tanner in particular. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the designer of the offense is Kirk Sharaka and what we've done and how we've built it over the last 10 years. And it's good to have him back. A lot of people ask me, you know, when he left, were there some ill, some ill feelings towards that? Well, we're not in the feelings business. And, uh, I understood exactly, uh, why he was, he was leaving. And, uh, not exactly. I understood why he wanted to come back because that was a choice. But the best thing about Kirk Sharaka was when he did decide that we'd both decide that it's probably good that for him to come back. 
both of our concerns, including his, was how are the kids going to feel? Mm. Uh, will the kids have any ill will towards me? And uh, what should I be ready for that way? And should we do this? And constantly always thinking about the kids. And I think that's wonderful. Uh, that, that, that's a sign of a really good coach and a really good person. And Kirk Sherrock is definitely that. We're, we're excited to have him back. The ability to give kids a clean slate, especially guys that you've coached in the past, I find that endearing, especially with a guy like Tanner, who has demonstrated he can be that dude for you. When do you think it's going to click for the rest of the offense to get to where you were running the ball last year? Because you were doggone good at it. Yeah, we were really good at running the ball because we had, we had four wideouts that missed almost half the year each. Mm-hmm. We had five tailbacks that were out for the season, and we still won nine games. Uh, and you would look at the last two full seasons we've actually had, that's nine-plus wins back-to-back, mm-hmm. right? An 11-win season and a nine-win season, which hasn't happened since 1900 through 1905 at Minnesota. So everybody's worried about our offense. We, that's something we hadn't accomplished for you know over 120-some years. So uh, for us, we have to just be more balanced. And one thing that you can, I think what makes a really good staff and a really good team is, can you win a lot of different ways? Mm. Whatever's going on in the game, there could be things you didn't prepare for. There could be things that are not going your way, but can you still find a way to win? And Kirk Sharaka's philosophy is if we've got to throw it for 350, we got to be able to throw it for 350. If we have to run it for 350, we have to be able to run it for 350. We'd love to be balanced across the board, 200, 200, 250, 250, whatever it is. And that was what we were a little bit like in 2019. We have a different team. We have a lot of inexperience. And we also have a lot of people who have played a ton of football. So it'll be exciting to see where the transition goes offensively. I'm very curious to see how Chris Autumn Bell Revan Span Ford, and of course, Dalen Wright turn out this season. How excited are you to see those guys develop? I'm really excited for those guys. You know, I think we have five wide receivers that have an opportunity to play in the National Football League one day. Mm-hmm. Dalen Wright, Chris Ottman Bell, Daniel Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, kind of leading that charge right there. Michael Brown Stevens had a big year last year. Dalen Wright is, is coming along strong and doing a lot of amazing things for us. So, uh, I think that's going to be really important for our pass game. The, the involvement of the tight end has to evolve. And, and Kirk knows that the leading receiver when he was at Penn State was their tight end that they have there. And that was really big in, in showing Brevin Span Ford. This is what we're going to do with you. He's worked really hard to become the guy, um, run blocking, pass catching. And now you have five wide receivers that I think are very talented. You got three tailbacks who are very proven, four tailbacks that can prove themselves. You got an offensive line who's incredibly athletic, might not be as experienced. We had 181 starts we lost last year. And now we have 35 starts with this offensive line. But this is the next generation of that offensive line that I think is going to be really, really talented. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And then you have the guy pulling the trigger and, and, and throwing the ball who's played a lot of football for you. Guy that I really enjoyed seven and a half yards deep is Mo Ibrahim. Uh, Me I too. Really, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he makes you feel really good. Well, specifically, let's go back to last year. You're at, or you're playing against Ohio State at home. And he was having, I thought, an outstanding game. And it felt like that game was going to go you guys' way when he suffered the injury. What's it been like for him to work his way back, and how did you evaluate your running back room after the fact? Well, nobody's worked harder at getting back, uh, not only just getting back, getting back better than he was, and I think he's better than he was even before he got hurt. When you look at that game, I mean, he had 170 yards in the first half. Here we go, like you said. I mean, everybody was feeling that. And then when he got hurt, I mean, he's the emotional leader. Um, he's he's the, the football leader. He's the people leader. Uh, he's everything to our football team. When he got hurt, you could just feel that change a little bit. And that was unfortunate for us. Um, but he's healthy. He's back. He's worked incredibly hard in the offseason. Uh, he's one of the best human beings you'll ever meet in your entire life. Uh, he's got an amazing story, and now it just has another chapter that's a little bit uh, a little full of adversity that he's going to have the ability to overcome. But he wanted to come back for his teammates. 5'8's 5'8". He's not going to get any bigger. And so it's not like he's improving his draft stock. <laughs> 
he came back for his teammates. He came back for his team. He came back for uh, putting a different, uh, a different ending to the, to, to his story and his paragraph and the book he wrote at the university of Minnesota. Hey, as a guy who's five, five, yes, I know it, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm five, to- nine, man. Listen, I get it. <laughs> going to have to take up to it some other way. I'm still wait for that growth spurt. Hey, you and me both <laughs> while, while we're at it, let me get my, uh, my letter from Hogwarts, but that's something else entirely <laughs> coach defensively, you guys were outstanding. I mean, what, I think it was under 279 a game. I think you were averaging, uh, holding people to 17.8 a game. Where the hell did that come from, and how do you keep that coming? Well, first of all, Joe Rossi is our defensive coordinator, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for orchestrating all of that. Uh, he coaches at a level where players understand exactly what he's talking about. Uh, most games are lost, not won, uh, and they're lost less, not won. Uh, and so we do everything we can to teach our players to win, coach that way. What are their strengths? Eliminate their weaknesses, build a system around it, build a defense around it, teach you know our tail ends off and get them to, to master it. And I think there's nobody better in the country at doing that than Joe Rossi. And so thankful to have him and his staff. Uh, we got really good players. We got really smart players who understand the defense, know why. Mm-hmm. I think this generation always wants to know why. And I think any good football player should know why. So when they're asking those questions and they have the answers and then they can, uh, they can apply that with application, uh, you can have a really good defense. I'm excited to see what you guys look like because one of the things that I tell a lot of folks when they look at the Big Ten is look at Minnesota. They'll give it to anybody at any time, any period. And now you're getting a little bit larger, right? You're going to add USC, UCLA here in the next couple of years. How do you feel about the conference expanding? I think it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, I'd look at it through Minnesota's lenses, right? So I think all head coaches do that. You wonder how it's all going to affect you first, right? Uh, but we have alumni all up and down the West Coast, all out West. Uh, and now they have a blue or a Big Ten blueprint all over where they live. And I think that's positive for the conference. That's positive for our alumni base. They don't have to travel all the way to Minnesota to go see a game or in the Midwest. They can watch them out there and they can be a part of it out there, even if they want to go in in person. So I think it's great from an alumni and a fan standpoint. Uh, obviously, as we continue to go through financially, that's for other people to worry about. But I think change is inevitable. And if you're not willing to adapt, expand, change with the times, you're going to die on the vine. Uh, and I'm really proud to be in the Big Ten. I'm honored to be in the Big Ten. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful for the opportunities that I have. Uh, and uh, I think it's really, really good to have the L.A. market and that West Coast in the Big Ten and uh, want to welcome USC and UCLA. My last one for you, Coach, and please, it's open-ended, so indulge me if you will. How do you feel about the future of the sport? I feel really good about it. I think that there's a lot that has to continue to change. We all know that, Uh, and I think it's all changed for the better uh, somehow, some way, uh, based on what perspective and lenses you're looking through. But I think as long as the changes always have the student athlete in mind and are good for the student athlete, I'm for all the changes in the world. And I think change is healthy. Change makes you adapt. Change makes you look at opportunity, uh, for something even better than you have. Uh, and I think that's, that's what we're, we're in that kind of stage of college football right now. Now, do I think we need to continue to have guidelines and direction and, and let all this dust settle and see where we're at from there? Absolutely. And I'm sure there's going to be more changes down the road. Minnesota head coach, PJ Fleck. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. Road boat sky, Mago Gophers. I'm pleased to be joined by Maryland wide receiver, Rakim Jarrett. Rock, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, sir. I've been looking forward to this. One of the questions that I actually posed to coach locks last year is, what can we expect from you? So I'm going to pose it to you. What can we expect from you in 2022? I would say stat-wise, 1,000 yards, 70 catches, double-digit touchdowns. Hey, man, those are lofty numbers. What makes you so sure that you can produce? I feel like last year was my first full season, and I just got everything under my belt, and now it's, it's really time to take off and show what I can do. 
I'm excited to see that. It's also going to be a lot of fun with Tonga Valoa, adding Jacob Copeland, right? Dante Dimas. How much of a threat do you think y'all are in the Big Ten East? I think the threat is humongous. I mean, I don't feel like any defensive secondary could sit and just cover all three of us at once. So I think it's going to be a tough task week in and week out for defenses. When I say the name Stefan Diggs, what do you hear? Terp legend. Is that a legend that you plan to follow? Indeed, yes. What makes Stefan such a great example to follow? Uh, I would say given that he went to a WCA school like myself, he's from Maryland like myself, and he stayed home when he could have went to any school in the country like myself. I think him doing that kind of led the way and stuck into my mind that if he did it, I can do it too. And the fact that he's still doing it in the NFL is like, it's, it's unheard of. That was a huge win for Coach Locks on the recruiting trail to win you, to keep you not just in the state, but going to the home state school. We all thought that you were headed to LSU. How did Coach Locks convince you, hey, man, do it at home? Locks, he's just he's just a stand-up guy. I mean, everything he says is is true for the most part, and you don't really get that in college recruiting. So I felt like I put my trust in him, and everything he said so far has has been right. So. Coach Locks had said on the days earlier that he thought that Taluya was the most underrated player in college football. Do you think so? Yes. I think he gets scrutiny for some of the stuff he does but and the fact that we don't win very much. But I think I think this year could change it all, really, if we do what we need to do and he does what he needs to do. So, yeah. As you are preparing for 2022, what changes have you seen overall in the team that make you feel good about the parts around you? i say the continuity. Uh, we have 16 starters coming back, I think like seven on offense. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's the biggest part, us playing together, not having any self-inflicted wounds in the games where, where it can cost us. So I think I think us being together and togetherness is, is big for this year. Do you have a story that you could share with us that speaks to the team chemistry that you're talking about? Yes. Uh, weekends, more, more of the guys are hanging together now rather than everybody going their separate ways. Uh, guys just want to be around each other. I mean, it's a football team. You're around them all the time during the week. So I feel like the extra time you have to yourself, you still want to be around the guys that you work with all the time. It's, it says a lot about you wanting to go to work with the guy next to you. Certainly does. Wanting to hang out with your work or coworkers is not always the right. sauce, right? What are some of the things that y'all do just to get to know each other off of a football field? Uh, we go paintballing, lunch, uh, dinners. We go out to D.C. area. Uh, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. When you go out to the D.C. area, do folks recognize y'all? Do they know that y'all Terps? Yes. Uh, mainly Talia, Jacob Copeland, Dante, and myself, but... We try to stay under the radar because we don't really try to live that life too much because we still have work to do. One of the things that I always thought was interesting about Coach Locks is that he had picked Maryland. Like he wanted to come to Maryland because he knew that there were guys like yourself just in and around campus, in and around College Park. How do you see more high school players taking an interest in Maryland? Uh, One, the facility we got, that kind of helps a lot, even though it doesn't win games. Uh, Guys like myself staying home it kind of leads other guys to say, yo, what's going on at Maryland? So I think uh, him getting the bigger recruits, the big names, and 
us winning helps the DMV and recruits itself, honestly. Rakim Jarrett, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Maryland head coach Mike Loxley. Coach, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How are you? I'm good, sir. I want to start with this, man. Uh, it's a winning season at Maryland. The first six years. How did that feel? Uh, not our standard, mm-hmm. but we definitely embraced the fact that where we started at in 2019 and where we ended in 2021, uh, we're heading in the right direction. Still got a lot of work to do, though. You look potent offensively. Uh, I heard you on the days earlier today talking about Talia Tagovailoa saying, hey, look, this is the most underrated player in college football. I need you to tell me why. Well, I think the biggest thing is is that uh, when you look at the, the records that he broke at Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, he broke some records that some really talented players that went on to have great NFL careers. Uh, you start talking about guys like Boomer Esaias and Frank Reich, Neil, Neil uh, O'Donnell, Stan Gelball, who – were in consecutive years the quarterbacks that played at Maryland. Uh, for him to break records that stood from that time mm-hmm. kind of shows you what his talent level is all about. Uh, unfortunately, the thing that stands in everybody's mind is the the Iowa game, the second quarter, and that was a nationally televised game where he didn't play very well in the second quarter, had four picks in one quarter, um, and that's what people remember. But there's no way the Terps are – a winning team or win a bowl game without having uh, Leah Tunga Vailoa leading the charge for us. I'm really curious of how that goes over in your program because Neil O'Donnell means something to me, right? And yeah. I turned 35 this month, so I'm young by your standards. <laughs> right. How do you get across to your players, hey, man, this is what you're chasing. This is what Maryland football is. You know what? We, we, we talk about our standard. We talk about how we need to play. And if there's any, uh, silver lining to, to being, you know, having a winning season, you know, one of the things that, that I've talked to our team about is that we don't, you don't build on what we did last year. You have to start over. But what you hope that is you take some of the habits and behaviors you created that gave you the opportunity to have a winning season and just do it a little bit better this year. Do it, do it a little better. And then, and then you'll be able to take the next step. And that has to do with your personnel, your 85 scholarship players, your 100 players on right. this team. But you've had some tremendous investment from your administration, yeah. from alumni that's helping you try to keep that, that Maryland, D.C. area DMV. kind of filled with, hey, look, I keep saying this all the time, and I feel like we talk about it every mm-hmm. time we speak. It's loaded with talent. Right. Is the administration giving you what you need to go chase the talent that's right there in your backyard? Yeah, there's no doubt. My boss, Damon Evans and Colleen Sorum, uh, are very supportive. Uh, you look at us moving into a $200 million football facility, the Jones Hill House, uh, named after two trailblazers, uh, minority men that that led the charge in, in our old uh, neighborhood, uh, you know, the ACC, where they both were the first to play as minority men in football and basketball. Uh, the investment that guys like Barry Gossett and Kevin Plank uh, have continued to make into this program. We're getting the resources, and now what we've got to be able to do is turn those resources into W's. And, mm-hmm. you know, we took a step in the right direction last year, but as I said, we still have so much untapped potential, and it's my job to figure out how to get it out. I like skilled players. I like quarterbacks. I like wide receivers. I like throwing the ball around. I see Jacob Copeland. Mm-hmm. I see The Rock, Rakim Jerry. Mm-hmm. I see Dante Demas. I see your man Leah. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, am I missing something? You seem yeah, like you you're gotta... missing Jay Sean Jones, okay. one of the top 
route runners we have. And I keep bringing his name up because, you know what, he did a lot of good things as a early in his career. And then he kind of went down with a couple of injuries since we've been back, but he's talented just like the rest of those guys. And, you know, we got some young receivers like Ty Felton, but, uh, this offense attracts those type of players. And wherever I've been, we've had skill, whether it's the tight end. I mean, Chigo Quanco got drafted in the fourth round. We've had great running backs that have played in the system wherever I've been. So uh, the catalyst for this year, though, is going to be how that, that, that group up front plays. And I think how they go, we go. And the next step for us is to establish ourselves as a team that can run the ball when we need to and protect our quarterback, which we've made strides in each and every year with that group. And we got five returning starters on the O-line coming back. It feels like you're taking a big step forward last year and you're going to take another this year if the Terps got anything to say about it. But you're still playing this loaded Big Ten yeah. East, this loaded Big Ten Conference, and it's gotten a couple teams larger here <laughs> of recent Talk to me about the strength of this conference and how it keeps getting stronger as you get stronger. Yeah, I mean, tremendous move by Commissioner Warren and the powers that be here in the Big Ten, you know, with the SEC going and grabbing Oklahoma and Texas. I thought it was a, a, a hell of a power move by us to go get two storied traditional programs that are very like-minded to the other teams in this league. When you think about the best of both worlds from an academic and an athletic standpoint, you know, adding USC and UCLA is a win-win for the Big Ten brand. Mm -hmm. We already had a strong brand without them, but when you bring in and open up the West Coast now, we're a coast-to-coast -coast league that uh, allows our brand to be shown throughout the country. Um, I thought it was a great move by uh, Commissioner Warren and, and the powers that be. By my count, that's, that's four teams on the coast, right? Mm -hmm. You already looking up those one-way flights to L.A. from D.C.? You know what? And people talk about it. To me, the issue isn't the one-way flight to there mm -hmm. because, you know what, you get on the plane, you put your headsets on, you, you kind of lean into the, 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 the window and you fall asleep and you wake up and you're there. The issue is what happens after the game. Mm -hmm. Do you have a 12 o'clock start at home the next week when you're getting back to D.C. at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. in the morning and now everything's pushed back to where you lose time? And that's where there's – I, I don't doubt that the Big Ten people that make schedules are going to take into account those things. The flight out, you're jacked to be going to play. You're jacked to be in L.A. The kids will show up. But it's the next week who you play and when you play that I think it'll be most – that will have the most effect on. I find this particular time really interesting when we talk about college football and we talk about one of the strengths of this conference that Commissioner Warren pointed to is all 14 head coaches have returned, which means they know what is expected of them and they've done enough to retain their jobs, but also, hey, you got to keep pushing forward. So you knowing what it looks like to be a national championship caliber football team, what is the one thing you need to tell your players to get them closer to taking that step to win a national championship? You know what, the, the, the number one thing, and, and again, just having been a part of going to three straight national championships, teams that make it to that, that game, mm -hmm. they don't beat themselves because it's already tough enough to play a tough opponent. But when you're giving them help, that just – and for me, when you go back and we've studied last season, uh, we've got to figure a way to have the Terps stop beating the Terps. Mm -hmm. And if we can take care of that first, then everything else will kind of take care of itself. This is my last question for you, Coach, and please indulge me as open-ended. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the future of college football as a sport? You know, it's uh, I see, it's, I see it becoming very challenging mm -hmm. 
because, you know, college football is still the ultimate team sport. But yet everything in, that's being added to it from a legislative standpoint is all about individual. NIL, transfer portal, immediate eligibility, these are all individual things. And so as a coach, to build a winning program, it can't be about the individual. It's still got to be about the team, the team, the team. Mm. And so for, for us, as we build and continue to build this program, we're going to continue to put an emphasis. In a, you know, we're a player-centric player program, meaning we're going to build and do things within our program that makes it attractive to where a kid doesn't want to transfer or maybe they did, they'll take less NIL money because, hey, Maryland, Maryland, Maryland takes care of me for the next 40 years, not just for the next four. And so, you know, I think that's really important that we don't lose sight. But there's definitely uh, the, game, college, the college football landscape has changed and it's changing at a very fast rate. And you see a lot of guys getting out of the game whether it's going to the NFL because of having to deal with a lot of these issues that we were adding to the, to, to the player's plate, but there's still some things that need to be tweaked and adjusted. So um, I do believe as coaches, we're always taught to adjust. If all of a sudden they're bringing seven man pressure, you need to adjust. Well, we got to adjust with NIL. We got to adjust with transfer portal and figure out how to make it work within our programs. Maryland head coach, Mike Loxley. Thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. I'm pleased to be joined by Northwestern head coach, Pat Fitzgerald. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be here with you, man. Looking uh, good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Coach, I'm just trying to keep up with you. Like, well, you got a little bit to go, but you're doing all right. It's okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> all right, coach. Uh, going in 2022, yeah. I want to start with what excites you about this season? We're undefeated again. You know, when you have a year like we did last year, uh, and then you had a year we had like two years ago when you play a championship game. Uh, you know, it's it's incredibly motivating, and uh, I just can't wait to get back going with the guys here and playing zero week in Dublin. You know, we start camp before everybody else, so I'm excited to get going. I got a chance to ask Coach Frost about that. It's going to be your opponent in yeah. Dublin. How has this changed your offseason? I mean, unlike any other offseason. Sure. Well, calendar, right? You lose yeah. a week, so that that's number one. That's the biggest thing, you know, then logistics for behind the scenes of moving your ball club all the way overseas to Dublin. It's not your atypical road game, so... You know, from shipping, you know, Band-Aids and tape and everything to your pads, you name it, mm. to, you know, putting on a game in a rugby soccer stadium that mm. usually doesn't outfit a football stadium. So A to Z, a lot of things going on. But with the team, we're going to try to make it as efficient as we can. It's just a little bit longer flight. How do you be sure that the kids get an opportunity to experience yeah. Ireland and yeah. play competitive football? Yeah, well, you know, when I, we they approached me on this, I said, all right, I got a couple of things I think are right. One you know, we want to treat it like a bowl game. So we need to have the budget to do it the right way. Two, I'd love to have a bye week, week two, so we can stay maybe after the game. And then three, let, let, let's make sure whatever it is that we plan prior to the game, we keep the guys off their feet so they can go play their, you know, their best, their best style of football. So around our dinners on Wednesday and Thursday, while we're in Dublin, we're going to do a, a you know, an, an Irish themed, you know, show. We're going to go to a dinner at a unique, uh, you know, setting on Thursday as a team. Friday, then we're in our normal routine in the hotel. Saturday, we wake up, do our routine and play. Sunday, then they get in country to do whatever they want. Here's multiple options. The plane leaves tomorrow some point. Actually, the bus leaves the hotel. If you're not there, I wish you well flying back. So uh, I want the guys to have fun. Would I prefer it maybe not be in week zero, meaning the early part of the year? Yeah, but you know what? It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's going to be great to bring, you know, 
uh, you know, American football on the international stage, be the first game of college football on for 2022. It's going to be a lot of fun. One of the things I've always enjoyed about your program is it feels to me uh, on a national stage, you have a guy that pops uh, a couple years ago is Brandon Joseph, yeah. Greg Newsom. Yeah. Who is, are you expecting to pop this year? Well, you know, we get Cam, Cam Porter back and, you know, I think he's got an opportunity. Now he's got a great running back mate in Evan Hall. So, you know, I think the combination of those two guys have, an, have I, I think, an opportunity to take that next step. And then out of time, a lot I mean, he, you know, he's a guy that's been a consistent player for us, but I think to potentially take the next step to get up on the national stage uh, is definitely, definitely a guy on our defense. How do you feel about the Big Ten West this year as opposed to years past? And I, I say that knowing that Iowa really did shock a lot of people. Minnesota's yeah. been good for a few years yeah. now. It feels like your division's gotten a lot deeper. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at kind of the last few years, it's been us, Wisconsin, and Iowa that have won the division. Minnesota's maybe been a win or two out of that. You know, Purdue is much improved last year. Brett did a great job at Illinois. You know, Frosty's team has been so close in Lincoln in so many close games. You know, I think top to bottom in the West, we are probably the most competitive, you know, division within any conference because I think anybody can win on any given Saturday legitimately uh, in the Big Ten West. What do you tell kids now in 2022 about what it takes to play at Northwestern? Well, you need to be focused on the things that matter. You know, number one, you're coming to a great school, so be prepared to be challenged academically and get a degree that's going to, you know, last a lifetime. Then This is not a four- or five-year decision. It's going to impact you the next 40 or 50. And so we want a young man that embraces that and wants that. Number two, you know, we've got a chance to be a competitive team to compete for championships. So you got to love ball. And with that, if you love ball, I want guys that want to play at the highest level because then they're going to be motivated no matter what the grind expects. They're going to want, you know, don't have your attitude and your actions not equal your goals. So, you know, don't tell me you want to play in the NFL, but, you know, really, I don't want to do winter workouts. You know, it doesn't really work that way. And then lastly, I want guys that want to be about something bigger than themselves, about the team. Uh, and if we can put a collection of guys together like that, then we've got a chance to be pretty good. It's hard to imagine Northwestern football without you. And I don't mean <laughs> to say that to make you feel old or to make myself look young. It is to say, when I think of Northwestern football, I think of you. Now, you have an athletic director that you've finally got to know over the next couple yeah. of years. Also a mentor of mine, Dr. Gregg, was at yeah. the University of Tulsa. I graduated. What's the partnership been like with yeah. you and the administration? Oh, it's been great. You know, this time last year, I met Derek for the first time. You know, so it's it's been a great 360-whatever days that we've been able to have building a relationship, you know, a former player, mm -hmm. a guy who's been there, done it as an athletic director and athletic administrator. He's been at the NCAA office. So he's kind of got the complete package, you know, when it comes to being a director of athletics. And then, you know, again, we kind of basically are contemporaries when we played, uh, you know, I make fun of him about his experiences. You know, we won a lot more than he did, but we'll leave it at that. But I, I think there's just a synergy with having two football players in our backgrounds that they can, you know, when I talk to him about inside zone play, he's like, yeah, right. I, I saw it too. You know, we can, we can see the game the same way. So it's a lot of fun. It's hard to get something past Dr. Greg. I tell him that straight up to his face all the time, coming with the compliance background and also with yeah, the football background absolutely. at Vanderbilt. I'm very excited to see what you guys can do. And you're going to have to do a lot yeah. as we're in these changing times, which leads me to, how do you feel about USC and UCLA being big 10 teams? It's got a unique ring to it. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, the one thing that it was been a theme has been change and that's where we're at right now. And, you know, it's kind of like being on an interstate. You got a lot of off ramps. You were not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what those off ramps are going to be as we move forward, but, you know, adding SC, adding UCLA, you know, two iconic brands, you're going to wake up watching big 10 football and you're going to go to bed watching big 10 football and, and be in that time zone, you know, which is kind of unique and kind of neat. So, um, 
really excited about it. You know, we got a couple of years to figure a lot of things out. Uh, but uh, I'm excited. Whatever's good for the Big Ten is good for Northwestern, and, and having these two iconic brands join us is going to be a lot of fun. I don't know which I'm more excited about, seeing Northwestern, Illinois, Wisconsin play in L.A. in November, or seeing those teams come to Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin to play Well, I'll tell you, as a coach who's on the field, I'd much rather be in L.A., but as a coach who's on the field, I'd much rather play them at our place. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be unique. I mean, the last time – uh, played in the Rose Bowl. We played USC in the Rose Bowl, right, in 95. Um, I can't recall the last time is that we played UCLA. So I know they were on our non-conference schedule coming up down the road. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be neat to have that. And then for us, we have a lot of uh, NU alums in Southern mm-hmm. California. So to, to, you know, to be able to go play in front of them now more frequently should be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun for, I think, a bunch of Big Ten teams who count a lot of alumni in mm-hmm. California. But it also speaks to the global sport that I think college football is becoming. You're going to play a game in, in Dublin, Ireland, and we've seen the coast-to-coast happen. TV has made this mm-hmm. much more accessible to folks like me who grew up watching games like Boise State when you couldn't. I say all that to say, Coach, indulge me here. How do you feel about the future of college football? A lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know where we're going. I, and decisions need to be made. Um, football, as we know it right now, will be fine. The game has never been better. Mm-hmm. Um, once you step outside the white lines, it's never been more chaotic. And so that chaos has got to start to slow down a little bit. We've got to get leadership together, unified, make decisions that have, you know, the right decisions globally, because once it gets set for football, now that's going to trickle down and permeate for all the other sports. Once we make decisions for the big 10 or the sec or the pack or the big 12 or the ACC that now that permeates throughout the other sports. So, you know, these decisions need to be made. Um, they won't be made quick enough. So in between now and then, you just got to be nimble. You got to be willing to adjust and and uh, just embrace it. And that's what we're going to do. Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Go Cats. I'm pleased to be joined by Indiana head coach Tom Allen. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. It's been a great day. I appreciate you joining me, coach. Uh, I want to start with what I think is a simple question that you probably have a million answers to. What'd you learn from 2021? Well, as difficult as it was, you know, I think we we learned that the the core values of who we are as a program that kept us together. You know, uh, the accountability piece, the toughness, the love, uh, the genuine concern we have for one another, even though uh, the season was the opposite of what we expected. You know, start the year out in the top twenty in the rankings, and and uh, just. Um, experienced so many injuries, so many setbacks, so many, uh, just seemed like whatever could go wrong, went wrong, you know? And so, but when that happens, what do you do? How do you respond? So the, the lesson to me was you understand that, you know, you have core beliefs, even in times of trouble, those don't, aren't shaken. They're your foundation. That's what holds you together, that keeps you going, that allows you to be able to, you know, persevere every single week, even though there there wasn't, a, you know, a, a light at the end of the tunnel, it didn't seem like. It just continued to be more and more setbacks. But you know what? Um, it's about people. And we got a chance to experience those great things with a whole bunch of great people. And we grew closer together because of it. Our young men learned valuable lessons about life and perseverance and grit and toughness and fight. And I can't wait to see our guys respond this year. So to me, uh, sometimes the things that uh, you enjoy the least help you grow the most. And I think that's the case. One of the things I've always enjoyed about your journey on the football field is just how in tune with the defense you've always mm-hmm. been. 
You lose a guy like Micah McFadden to the NFL. Who are you expecting to be your do-everything leader on that defense this year? Well, Cam Jones, to me, is the guy that I expect to step up in that role. And uh, he just has to be himself. You know, obviously, Micah was a special, special player. And now he'd be doing his, uh, taking his talents to, to the New York Giants. But, uh, you know, and I'll think other guys. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, when I think about our defense, you know, it's a, it's an attacking, it's uh, all 11 guys flying around. Uh, Aaron Casey's now going to step up in, in the role to be the Mike linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as well as Bradley Jennings, those two guys are going to share that position. And, and uh, I expect both those guys to be extremely productive uh, together. You know, I don't see us uh, probably playing one of them as many snaps as we played Micah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but together, I th- see those guys tag team that spot. And, and uh, so, but then you got Monster, who's uh, Devon. Matthews is playing in the secondary and, and we lost him for most of last year as well. And then Tymon Mullen is another one and, and Jalen Williams and, and Brian Fitzgerald and, and Noah Pierre and those guys. And we got several others in the back end, but that, that whole secondary linebacker and secondary core, that to me as a collective group, that's what we're going to rely on is the strength is going to be in our numbers. The strength is going to be in the culture. Strength is going to be in the guys in that locker room that play defense, that want to play to that standard and create takeaways and play with relentless effort as we become and are the best tackling team in America. That's our, that's our formula for success. How do you get Taiwan back to his 2020 form? I mean, that dude played like his hair was on fire, and I love watching him play football. I understand the injuries and setback, but yeah. how do you expect him to take on 2022? Yeah, you know, to me, and I think that's part of his growth process as well, is that he had such a phenomenal 2020 season, made first-team All-American and first-team All-Big Ten and and uh, just battled injuries the whole year and never really could get healthy. And so I think you sometimes take your health for granted. He hasn't had a lot of injuries in the past. And so I think it was just a, you know, a great opportunity for him to grow in that area as well. And so I think you're going to see the 2020 version right out of the gate, you know, from Taiwan, and he's been a tremendous leader for us and and uh, he's a special special person got a heart of gold and tremendously hard worker uh but uh, he's a really good football player some guys just have a knack for making plays and he's that guy coach as we sit here talking a little bit of defense and talking a little ball just kind of popped in my head uh you know who's gonna play starting quarterback week one (laughs) we don't know yet okay you know and so uh uh, if we did, we would have already announced it, mm-hmm. but, uh, they came out of spring ball and, and Connor and Jack were neck and neck, in my opinion. And, uh, Dexter Williams is right there on their heels. You know, he missed the entire season a year ago with an ACL injury. And so he's back now. And so, uh, but I think competition is really good. I think it keeps you sharp. Uh, they've had to earn that position every single day throughout the summer. Now that's going to continue into fall camp, you know, so, uh, we'll find out on September 2nd who our quarterback is going to be. I understand that head coaches look at quarterback play and they say, hey, mm-hmm. statistics speak for themselves, how the team rallies around you or doesn't speaks for yeah. itself. But you have two very important aspects to quarterback play in Connor and Jack Tuttle. Jack Tuttle, you have a guy that's been in your system, understands what it means to be an Indiana Hoosier. Connor, you got a guy that played SEC football and could throw the ball all over the yard, brings you veteran experience. How do you pick a horse uh, and then build an offense around that horse? Yeah. Well, that's going to be the challenge, you know, because you got two very deserving guys, you know, but I I think we also learned from 2021, you better have more than one, you know, so uh, that's the good part about it. Uh, But I I think that that's where we're going to have to, you know, pray for the wisdom to make the best decision, you know, and let fall camp play itself out. And, and uh, we'll have a couple scrimmages, I'm sure, before we make those decisions. But uh, bottom line is, is that, um, like you said, there's a, there's a, 
component to this of, of winning the locker room, you know, gaining their confidence and their belief in you as the quarterback. There's a mastery of the system that's a big part of it. And, and to me, protecting the football, you know, that's become, you know, in, in this day and age of, of the points that are being scored and as, as a defensive guy, our counter to that is takeaways. You know, and so if we can protect the ball on offense and take away on defense, that's a that's a great formula for success on game day. So that's going to be the emphasis for our quarterback is master the system, protect the football, and win that locker room. Bigger picture question for you, Coach. We're at a place of great change in the mm -hmm. sport, right? Going to welcome UCLA and USC into the Big Ten 2024. How do you feel about adding those two West, well, West Coast blue bloods, if you will? Oh, yeah. Two big names, you're right. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the history of college sports, you know, not just football, but every sport, you know, it's just a rich history from both of those places. So that excites me. You know, I just think it just adds to the brand of the Big Ten. You know, we're coast to coast, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, when I was a kid growing up, that was never the thought. I never <laughs> dreamed this would ever happen, you know, but, but it doesn't mean it's not a good thing, you know, and so, but it's just, uh, it's going to allow us to expand our recruiting out West. You know, it's already started, you know, really the, the day after they got announced, it was like, okay, here, let's go. And so, but I, that, that's the part I really think is uh, going to be neat is to be able to go out to play in places we've never played before. And they're going to have a chance to come here and, and uh, be able to host USC and host UCLA is uh, going to be a little, it'll, it'll feel a little bit surreal, you know, to have them coming all the way out this far, far East for them. But, but uh, that's kind of the world we're living right now. You know, everything's the barriers are kind of getting broken down and some good things and allows us to not be kind of just, you know, restricted by the region of the country that we're from to be able to play, you know, conference football games now. So, yeah, it excites me and I can't wait. I find it funny. I was giving this to, to Coach Fitzgerald, who obviously coached Northwestern Illinois. Which one are you looking forward to more, playing a game out in L.A. or having them play a game in Bloomington, <laughs> say November? Yeah, I want them to come here. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. So They'll have to make some adjustments for sure. Bigger picture, Coach. Uh, this is a simple question, but – Please indulge me uh, any direction you want to go. How do you feel about the future of college football? I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that's a fair answer. Um, and not that uh, um, we're not going to make good decisions. I just think it's a critical time to make the right decisions, you know. And so uh, I value education. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want us to lose sight of that with our young men. Um, I understand the, the chance for a young man to to create a future for himself as an NFL football player. And, and, uh, but that's a small percentage, you know, and, and I, and I'm trying to think big picture and, and think about, uh, you know, the betterment of the young man and his future and what that degree can do for him and his family and his future. Uh, so I just want to make sure we don't lose sight of that. So, um, I love the game. You know, I've obviously played it coached it now for many years and been blessed to be a part of it. So I want to see us make sure we make some really good decisions here these next few years to be able to protect, you know, the, the integrity of what we're trying to do as a, you know, college institution and allow us to be able to help give opportunities for young men to change their lives and their future for their families. It's a great answer coach, Indiana coach, Tom Allen. Thank you so much, coach. You're very welcome. Have an awesome day. Elio.